Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by my Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. What the Wrestling Highlights of the Week consists of is me talking to you guys about the things that happen in the week for professional wrestling, whether it's uh, WWE, TNA, AEW, on, on occasions, uh, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, whenever they have shows that uh, they do, um, I'll be talking about that. Uh, New Japan, they just had their show, I want to say last weekend, uh, their new beginning show, back-to-back dates. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but before I get to all that stuff, I do have to start off with some condolences. In this week, for professional wrestling, we lost two uh, members of the wrestling community. We lost Ole Anderson, better known as uh, a member of the founding Four Horsemen and also being a member of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Um, he passed away this week, as well as uh, Mike Jones, better known as Virgil in his WWF time, uh, being Ted DiBiase's personal on-screen assistant. Both of those men uh, passed away this week, and I want to wish everybody that knew both of those men my condolences and well wishes, and hopefully the families and friends of both of those men will um, be able to go about their lives. Um, now I'm moving away from the condolences because I don't want to stay on that so long. Let's get into New Japan. New Japan, as I said, they had their uh, new beginning shows last weekend. And on those shows, you had a couple of title changes happening. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, he lost his New Japan World Television title to Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's over there in, in New Japan now. I'm glad he was able to land on his feet after being released from WWE. Uh, late last year. Also, Nick Nimeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler, he defeated David Finley to win the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship. So, Nick Nimeth, he's now the second holder of that Global Heavyweight Championship, and I'm happy to see him also land on his feet, which I don't think people thought he was not going to land on his feet. Nick Nimeth, Dolph Ziggler, whatever you want to call him, he's a guy that Everybody wanted to see him kind of flourish in the WWE system, and for some reason it just never truly happened, and for him now to be out of that bubble, uh, I'm glad to see him, and I think the wrestling community is happy to see him just be out and about and be able to uh, go about the independence and do what he can do. Uh, also, show he won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship from El Desperado, so we now have a new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Tamatanga, he had his last, as a New Japan contract uh, wrestler uh, last week. It was him and his brother, Tangaloa, going against El Fantasma and his other brother, Hikaleo, uh, Gorillas of Destiny versus Gorilla Destiny, and uh, Tamatanga uh, had his final match. So, Tama, he's free from New Japan. He's able to go and go wherever he pleases to go is kind of been rumored that he's going to WWE, which I don't think that'll be a bad thing, especially with Carl Anderson and uh, Luke Gallows being in NXT and kind of with anybody that's kind of been like released or making their debuts, unless you're like a big, big name, you kind of go to new, you got to go to like NXT to kind of uh, shake the ring rust off of you, or at least get yourself adjusted to the WWE cameras. So I see Tamatanga might be going there just for a little bit of time before he gets up to the main roster. So I don't see him being in NXT that long. But 
Uh, Tama, he might be going to WWE. I don't see him going to AEW personally, so that's where I think he's leading his bets to. But again, Tama, he's uh, free from his New Japan contractual obligations. And Tama Tonga, he spent a lot of time in New Japan. He started off as a young boy. For people that don't know what young boy or a young lion is, that's a person that has to uh, train in the New Japan style, be an underling, be a guy that has to set up the rings, get the bags, do the wrestlers uh, clean their gear and work inside New Japan's dojos for a certain amount of time until they get the opportunity to venture off into different countries that's associated with New Japan until they come back under a character, and then that's whenever New Japan is able to use them in storylines and so much and so forth. Tomatonga, he was a part of that. Uh, he stayed in New Japan, I want to say, for about, what, more than a decade? Probably, what, ooh, I'll say late 2000s, so probably like 2008, 2009 maybe. So that was a long time he was in New Japan, but as I said, he built up what he can do, so now he's gone, he's able to do what he do. Uh, Same thing with Okada. Okada, his his, uh, obligations to New Japan ended on the same show as uh, Tamatanga. So Okada, he's free to go to whatever company he wants to sign to. And I think he's leaning over to AEW more for Okada, but we'll have to wait for that. Uh, so those were like the big things to come out of New Japan's uh, new beginning shows that happened last week. But we'll have to wait and see with that. Also, by the way, New Japan, they are doing their annual New Japan Cup tournament. And in that tournament, you have Jack Perry. Jack Perry is in New Japan. He's going to be in the tournament. And it's going to be real interesting to see how this version of Jack Perry uh, is going to do personally, because people over here on the Western side, as they like to say it, are going to be watching New Japan just to see Jack Perry, see how he's wrestling, see how he's, how this new character being the scapegoat is going to be, uh, carried over there and see how he's going to be portrayed because people are going to start thinking, okay, there's going to be an amount of time until, uh, Tony Khan calls for Jack Perry to come back into AEW and, we're going to have to wait and see what the fallout of that's going to be because that's still going to be carrying on the lingering effects of uh, the whole Crimea River all-in like debacle last year. So again, it's going to be real interesting to see how New Japan and AEW work with Jack Perry over in that New Japan Cup and also in the New Japan system for now until he comes back to AEW. So that's all the New Japan news that I got. So with that, let's travel over to uh, TNA. TNA last week, they had their pay-per-view, No Surrender. And the big things to come out of that is that uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they are still your TNA World Champions. They won the best of three series against the Grizzly Young Veterans. And it also seems that Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they're kind of not in the Bullet Club anymore because they got their own uh, entrance theme, entrance Titantron. And on their gear, I didn't see any type of Bullet Club like notification on their gear unlike previously which they used to have some bullet club kind of like stuff on their gear so i think ace austin and chris bay kind of moved away from bullet club now i mean they still use the two sweet uh hand logo but we'll have to wait and see with that um mk ultra they regained back their tna uh knockouts world tag team championships defeating decay uh moose he is still your tna world champion he defeated alex shelley Jordan Grace, she is still your TNA Knockouts World Champion, defeating Giselle Shaw and Mustafa Ali. 
He came in to TNA. He beat Chris Saban in the main event of No Surrender, and he is now your new X Division champion. And that carried over onto uh, TNA this past week when Mustafa had his inauguration as the X Division champion. He was in the ring with the good hands and a couple other uh, lackeys around the ring. Mustafa Ali, he's doing his whole presidential uh, speech until Chris Saban comes out. He blames uh, the good hands for uh, being in Ali's corner and kind of interfering in their match and saying without the good hands being in uh, Ali's corner, Ali probably wouldn't be standing here as TNA X Division champion. Ali would kind of refute that, but he will tell Chris Saban, you mentioned people in my corner. What I found funny is that you had nobody in your corner. You had everybody kind of against you, and it kind of was represented by that when the crowd was chanting Ali, Ali, and it kind of went to what Ali was saying. And Chris Saban, he would say, you know what, you're right. I'm not a guy that's here for talking. I'm a man of action. So he will punch Ali. You see the good hands go over and try to beat up on Chris Saban until Kevin Knight and Kushida would run down to the ring. And make the save, this will leave Ali to leave out of the ring and have his little cronies uh, walk him up the ramp to the back, leaving the good hands. Good hands would get beat up a little bit, and then they roll out of the ring. So it sets up, I feel, for a six-man tag with uh, Chris Saban and Kevin Knight and Kushida going against most of Ali and the good hands. I think that's probably going to happen at what? The next... Uh, event that TNA happens to do next weekend. I believe it's Surrender. No, not Surrender. Or is it Sacrifice? One or two. No, it's Sacrifice. Excuse me. So I think that's happening there. Uh, on TNA this week, you had uh, the rubber match between Tasha Steeles and Zaya Brookside. That would end in a ring out. And this will have the knockout champion, Jordan Grace, come out. Jordan Grace would tell both of those ladies that she's game to put up the knockout championship against both of them at Sacrifice. So we get that match being made. So at Sacrifice, will be a triple threat match. It will be Tasha Steeles, Zaya Brookside, and Jordan Grace for the TNA knockout championship. At No Surrender, Eddie, not Eddie, God, Eric Young. He defeated uh, Kazarian to become the number one contender for the TNA World Championship. So you got Eric Young going against Moose at Sacrifice. And that we will kind of get a like a little glimpse of that on Impact. In the main event, you have uh, the system, which is Moose, Brian Myers, and Eddie Edwards going against Ace Austin and Chris Bay and Eric Young in a six-man tag. The system, they would win the matchup to, again, prove how the system is a well-oiled machine. Um, I think the system might be next in line for a TNA tag team title opportunity, maybe. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, anything else big to happen on TNA this week? Oh, yeah. Ash by Elegance, formerly known as Dana Brooke. Uh, she would be having her second match under the TNA banner. Uh, next week, that was announced. And also, I like AJ Francis, formerly known as Top Dollar in WWE. He teamed up with Daner to go against uh, Joe Hendry and Rich Swan. And I swear, I thought we were going to get a Rich Swan uh, heel turn here. Because I would like to see Rich do a different 
side of him in TNA. Instead of always being a dancing, smiley-faced guy, I would like to see him at least get a little bit, I'm not going to say a little bit more serious, but at least turn a little something. But we didn't get that AJ Francis uh, attempt to try to lure Rich One into his direction, failed, which ultimately gave Joe Hendry and Rich One the win over AJ Francis and Diener. Um, what else happened on TNA? Um, Alexander Hammerstone. He got signed to TNA, so he's now part of the TNA roster. For people that don't know who Hammerstone is, he is the longest reigning MLW uh, champion. Oh, excuse Yeah, yeah, he is, because he beat uh, Jacob Fatu's record. Uh, he's the longest reigning MLW world champion over there. He had great matches over there. I think him now being in TNA, that's going to elevate him. And his first match under the TNA banner, at least as a TNA contracted wrestler, he'll be going against uh, Josh Alexander at Sacrifice next week. So that's something to look forward to. Um, anything else happening on TNA this past week? I don't think so. So with that, that's your TNA uh, wrestling, wrestling highlights of the week. And please, ladies and gentlemen, still look at TNA. Look into it. Watch it. Um, I think... TNA still in its rebuilding, rebranding phase after moving away from the Impact name and also now moving away from Scott Demore after he got released from his duties. Uh, TNA is still in their rebranding phase. They're still trying to gain uh, fans, I would say, their support. So if you like professional wrestling and you want to see more people signed and you want to just see different different point of views and different wrestlers on your screen, watch TNA. That's what I would suggest to everybody. Um, so with that, that's your TNA Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over to WWE. I'm switching it up. Uh, WWE this week, the big thing, as everyone knows, we're going into WrestleMania and we're still dealing with bloodline Cody Rhodes things. And before I dive into that, I would like to give a big congratulations to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, he got a list of things that he now owns. He owns uh, his ownership of the name The Rock, and he owns 25 names and catchphrases that The Rock, the character, uses. And I'm just going to read you off his, his full list of names that he now owns the intellectual uh, rights to. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson owns these things. He owns The Rock. He owns Rocky Maivia. He owns Team Corporate, Rock Nation, The Nation, Rudy Pooh, Candy Ass, Jabroni, If You Smell What The Rock Is Cooking, The Samoan Sensation, The Blue Chipper. That's crazy. Uh, the Brahma Bull, The People's Champion, The Great One, Know Your Role and Shut Your Mouth, Team Bring It, The Rock, Just Bring It, The People's Elbow, Rock Bottom, Finally, The Rock has come back to dot, dot, dot. It doesn't matter what dot, dot, dot. Blue Hell, The Millions and Millions, Rock Rockpocalypse, Project Rock, and the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. Those are the 25 intellectual properties, names, and phrases that Dwayne The Rock Johnson now holds under his umbrella that he now owns. So that was a big deal for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He owns all of that. And when I listed off all those names and I just looked at them, I thought, okay, 
why did he not own those in the beginning? I mean, some of those I can understand him not ever owning like blue chipper. I would think that that should be just a common phrase for anybody. He shouldn't be able to own the blue chipper, but hey, it is what it is. But like the Bravo Bull, in certain aspects, I think everybody knows who the Bravo Bull uh, kind of phrase belongs to. Candy ass, that's kind of in America, uh, diaspora, the America's uh, dictionary now, just like Smackdown. Like, how could he do that one? But hey, man, congratulations for him. I mean, there's just a litany of things, but I'm glad that The Rock owns what he does own. That man really did play the game more than Paul Levesque. Triple H, if you will, because Paul Levesque, he's not a part of the board of TKO, at least to my knowledge, like that. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he's on the board. So what better, higher position can you get in the world of sports and entertainment than be on the board that owns WWE and the UFC? So The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he played it right, and now he owns all those things. Congratulations to him. It was a great week for him. Uh, getting into the storyline. This kind of goes into that, too, by the way. Um, Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw. He had a match with Grayson Waller. He beats him. Cool. Great. Paul Heyman comes out with some uh, bodyguards. He gives Cody a warning to tell him, hey, yo, leave The Rock. Leave Roman alone. All that good jazz. Cody says, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, tell them that they're not hunting me, I'm going to be hunting the bloodline. So that's what we're going into, leaving from Raw, going into SmackDown. But before we go to SmackDown, The Rock, he would place a Instagram video out. I want to say Friday afternoon. And he tells the reason why he is upset with Cody Rhodes. The reason why, he talked to Cody. He told Cody point blank that him... Rock and Roman were all born into this business and that Cody can always finish his story a different time. Right now is the perfect time for WrestleMania to have the biggest wrestling match of all time, for WrestleMania to be the biggest event of all time. Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And Rock talks talks about how Cody, hearing everything, he was cool with it. He literally stepped aside, and that was the plan. And he would even harken back to a couple weeks ago when Cody would say that he is going to go after Roman, but just not right now. And that's whenever we got The Rock reintroducing himself back into uh, the waters, in the ring with Cody, dabbing him up, whispering something in Cody's ear, Cody leaving, all that jazz. Then we get to stare down between The Rock and Roman. Rock is more upset how Cody was able to change his mind, but he does say that Cody's able to do so because he won the Royal Rumble. But Cody didn't do it as a man. Cody didn't step up to Rock and tell him to his face, hey, yo, I need to talk to you about something. He waited until the press conference in front of the people after the Rock shook hands with Roman after the Rock displayed the bloodline uh, tree. That's when Cody decided to come out and change his mind. But what really upset The Rock was that Cody called The Rock's family members the Blackies goons. That would pissed off The Rock and how he mentioned Rock's father, well, grandfather, the high chief Peter Maivia and Roman's grandfather. And that's what really got Rock. 
So now Rock would tell Cody and all his Cody believers, the Cody crybabies, to go F themselves and F Cody's story. So that's the whole premise of what The Rock would uh, throw out in his 21-minute long Instagram uh, video, which people are saying has now been deleted, but I'm pretty sure you can look for it on YouTube. It's out there. So we go to SmackDown. We get the bloodline, and this whole segment takes up 45 minutes. It's kind of a two-parter. We get Roman, Solo, Jimmy, Paul Heyman all come out. Roman does his whole acknowledge me shtick in front of the Arizona crowd. Arizona crowd is, is cheering him, but after that, they start chanting for Cody. Roman starts getting upset. He does the it again, and he does it again, and he says, all right, cool. Paul, tell the pilot to start up the jet. I filled my fulfilled my obligations. I'm done. We're out of here. Paul, looking perplexed, he kind of tells Roman, you know we can't leave. We can't leave. We got to wait until he gets here. And then you get The Rock coming down. And Rock, he looks like he stepped out of a time machine because my man comes out with another $1,000 looking shirt. The type of shirt that he would wear literally back in the Attitude Era. So he comes out with the shirt in front of the people. He does his little Rock stuff, kind of uh, insults the crowd, saying that this crowd, or Arizona, is the number one, or at least in the top 10 places in America that does crack and meth. So again, he's playing to the crowd, uh, joking with them and all that jazz. And then Rock, he would throw out a challenge to Cody because he heard what Cody said at Elimination Chamber, wanted to fight Rock. Rock says, nah, I got a counter offer. How about you... And the walking clown emoji, Seth Rollins, go against me and Roman Reigns, night one of WrestleMania. And to sweeten the pot, if you happen to beat us, there is no bloodline when your match with Roman Reigns the next night at WrestleMania. So that means no Jimmy, no Solo, no Wiseman, no Rock, nobody. You'll have it in a contract, you'll have the Rock's word. However, if... And when The Rock and Roman Reigns beat you, it'll be bloodlines rules, meaning anything goes. Rock would say he'll sit next to Pat McAfee in a chair, probably do commentary. Paul Heyman, be at the corner of Roman. Jimmy Uso, probably be the timeskeeper. And he would joke around saying how Solo might sing the national anthem, and that got the crowd chanting Solo. But again, it's nothing but a little... uh, poking fun here and there, but the main gist is, you win, you get no bloodline, you get your match clear, free with you and Roman, but if you lose, all hell's gonna break loose, point blank, in your match with you and Roman, so we get that there, and as The Rock is about to hit his shtick of, if you smell, Roman Reigns will stop him. I need something from you, I'll do anything for my family. But I need this one thing. Acknowledge me. Roman Reigns, my family, I acknowledge you as my tribal chief. If you smell what the bloodline is cooking. 
So Roman had The Rock acknowledge him, as you just heard it from the clip. So that caught everybody by surprise there. Uh, Roman Reigns, if you saw the video, if you saw SmackDown, you kind of could see in Roman Reigns' face when Paul kind of stopped him first and foremost that they couldn't leave. Roman kind of looked kind of a little bit aggravated. So when The Rock came out and Rock started doing his own thing, you see Roman, he's kind of still standing there. He's not as aggravated, but you see everything's messing with him. But when he did stop Rock, it stopped everybody. You saw Paul's face. He looks perplexed. You see Jimmy's face. You see Solo. Solo standing in the middle of Rock and Roman in the background. And he's kind of looking. And when Roman asks Rock to acknowledge him, I thought, okay, we really about to see almost an implosion here. But no, Rock, he was a team player. He acknowledged Roman. And it seems that everybody is still good. I'm still... Still a little question questionable on something. Because when they did the ones up in the air again, everybody did the ones up. And Rock, he did it. But then he flexed that thumb of his to make it an L. And then he flexed it right back into the one. So I'm thinking that the Rock is dropping a little bit of Easter eggs here, a little bit of uh, egg drops here in letting Roman kind of get sucked into the belief that Rock is still on his side, leading to the ultimate stab in the back, that he's going to stab Roman. I'm not certain if that's going to happen or not. Maybe I'm digging into it, but just look at the video when you do have time on your hands. Look at it and just see what I'm talking about. Even Paul, he kind of like, bobbed his head over to The Rock to kind of just make sure that Rock is still okay and Rock is still doing what he's supposed to do. So, again, the plot still thickens uh, with the bloodline, Cody stuff, and now that we added Seth into it, and also what I forgot to mention, too, just remember now, when Rock was going through his whole this and that, he constantly called Seth a walking clown emoji, and he talked about how he is Seth's boss and how Seth keeps on sticking his nose into uh, their business, he'll snap that title off of Seth, and it'll be placed onto someone else. Now, the reason why I mention this is because on Raw, Drew McIntyre, he kind of alluded to this when he told Seth, point blank, stop messing with the bloodline. Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to mess around with you. They're going to mess up our match at WrestleMania, they're going to stop me from becoming the World Heavyweight Champion, and he constantly talks about how Seth needs to quit messing with the bloodline, leave them alone, let Cody do his own thing, and focus on me and you having our match at WrestleMania, Seth wasn't having it, Seth says that he can't do it, so this might go into that, and this might be one of the ways how we take the title off of Seth at Mania because of him screwing over Roman Reigns screwing over the Rock, screwing over the bloodline in general. So again, we have to wait and see with that, see what's going to happen there. And I would like to see what Drew McIntyre is going to say on Monday Night Raw to Seth. I wonder how he's going to uh, dig into Seth and kind of like nudge him to kind of quit messing around. Because Drew, his most like, his steadfast mission is to be the world champion. Win the world title at WrestleMania in front of people. Something that he was taken away from him in 2020, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there on Monday Night Raw, 
so that's the big overarching thing that happened on WWE this past week. Uh, the little storylines that are happening in WWE. Right now, we have no idea who's good they're going to be facing at WrestleMania. Because right now, we have different potential people that can pop out of the woodwork. Because you had Gunther, uh, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser in the middle of the ring. Gunther, he's talking his talk by being the Intercontinental Champion. And then you see the Judgment Day come out. Nobody expected the Judgment Day to come out here. They don't have Ray Ripley with them. And you see Priest like get into Gunther's face talking about how the Intercontinental title is going to be with the Judgment Day. And you see Gunther not really like being, like, threatened by the Judgment Day. And he just starts questioning, okay, who's going to be the guy to try to take the title off of me? He asks, is it going to be Finn? Is it going to be uh, Big Head? And he calls J.D. McDonough Big Head. He asks, Priest, is going to be you? And then you see Dominic step up to Gunther. And Gunther, he has a nice little laugh about it. And you see Priest, he gets upset. Priest wants to get at Gunther, but you see the rest of Judgment Day kind of pull Priest out of the ring and tell him to calm down. So you have that suspect of either it be Dominic or Priest. Uh, you have Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, he's still gunning for an opportunity to have a match at WrestleMania because he doesn't know how he's going to make it to Mania, but he does know that he has there's something in the works for him. He just doesn't know what it is, but he knows there's something. And you see him beat Nakamura, you see him go backstage, and you see Gunther walk up to Sammy, and they have a little stare down, and then Gunther walks away. So that could be an opening for Sammy to have a match at WrestleMania. That's another contender. And then you have Chad Gable. Chad Gable, he's still on the whole promise kick that he made to his daughter to take the Intercontinental title off of Gunther, because Gunther made his daughter cry uh, last year. And Gable, he went to Adam Pierce for this. So, again, we don't know who's going to be facing Gunther, but those are like the one of the many storylines going down at WWE right now on the road to WrestleMania. Um, another storyline right now, you have Bailey and Io Sky on SmackDown. Bailey and Dakota Kai went against the Kabuki Warriors. And this is Dakota Kai's first match back from being injured, and it was nothing but a ruse. Dakota Kai, she turned on Bailey when Bailey was getting beat down by the Kabuki Warriors, and Bailey had the opportunity to tag in Dakota Kai, and she jumped up to tag Dakota. Dakota would jump off the ring apron, and that sealed the deal for Bailey. Bailey got jumped by uh, Asuka, Kyrie, and. Dakota Kai and Eoskai will join in as well. And that will leave Bailey laid out on the mat as uh, Damage Control stands above them. But when they got to the back, you see Jade Cargill kind of walk up on Eo and just look at her. And then you see Eos looking at Jade. So that has a potential right there. And it seems that Nick Aldis is trying to sign Jade same way that he signed Braun Breaker to SmackDown. So that's another little interesting piece that we got to uh, watch there. But I do want to say this right now. Um, I know we all love Bailey. I love Bailey. I would love to, for her to main event at WrestleMania. However, ladies and gentlemen, this is where we need to take into consideration of this. If Bailey main events WrestleMania night one, because we know good and 
damn well she's not main eventing night two. That is legit exclusively reserved from Roman Reigns and whoever he goes against point blank on any WrestleMania. That's how it's always been conducted. And this year's Cody. So Roman and Cody, number two for night two of WrestleMania. You know, good and damn well that's happening there. Night one is going to have Rock, Roman, Cody, Seth. I want you guys to think about this seriously. Think about the pop that Roman, Rock, Cody, and Seth are going to get for that tag match on night one WrestleMania. Do you really want Bailey and EO to try to follow that up in the main event? I'm letting you know that is going to fall flat, flat on its face. It's going to be another Triple H and Chris Jericho moment that happened at WrestleMania 18 after they had to follow The Rock and Hulk Hogan. It's going to be a Triple H and Randy Orton moment after they had to follow The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. I'm letting you guys know right now, putting Bailey and EO in the main event of WrestleMania Night 1, it would not do well for them. And hell, I'll even go this far for you here. It will be another uh, Charlotte, Ronda Rousey, and Becky Lynch after they had to follow a long-standing pay-per-view that was already capped with Kofi Kingston defeating Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship, better known as Kofi Mania, WrestleMania, uh, I want to say it's 35, 2019. Because that WrestleMania will always be known as Kofi Mania, first and foremost. And secondly, that'll be the main event, that'll be known as the main event, uh, WrestleMania that had women main eventing it, the first time ever. I'm just letting you guys know, you don't want to put Bailey and EO in that predicament. And I know, and I'll say it again, we all love Bailey. We will love her to main event WrestleMania. Trust me when I say that. But right now, it's just not in the cards. And I would do Bailey a complete disjustice if we put her in the main event right now. Because she will have to follow up with the pop that Dwayne, Roman, and Cody, and Seth will be getting on that WrestleMania. That's already putting four of your big stars literally in one freaking match. And you don't have that in the main event. Imagine all the other mofos that got to follow them right after that. After the crowd gets fatigued. After cheering so much. And booing so much and everything else. So again, just be careful what you want for that. Seriously. Again, we all love Bailey. I got to constantly say that. But I think putting her in the main event of night one of WrestleMania would do her a strong disservice. So again... That's what's up there with Bailey right now with damage control. She got to fight damage control off until night one WrestleMania. And Bailey, she got to find some friends friends to kind of help her in this uh, situation with damage control. Um, another storyline going into WrestleMania, at least that I think based off of this week, uh, Rey Mysterio. He made his debut, well, re-debut back to uh, SmackDown after. Coming back from injury. Um, it was Santos going against uh, Carlito in a street fight. Rey Mysterio, towards the end of it, he would come out. Uh, he would beat up on Santos a little bit. Carlito with a backstabber. Ray would hit at 619. And then you see Carlito put Santos through a table. One, two, three, to win the street fight. And I think personally this will lead to a Santos Escobar going against a Rey Mysterio match at WrestleMania. 
mask versus hair. I think they want to pull some traditional uh, Lucha Libre big time conditions match into a WrestleMania. And I believe this will be a first time Mania will have a hair versus mask type matchup. They had different type of uh, stipulation where hair when he gets championships. Victoria did that with Molly Holly WrestleMania 20. So 20 years later, you could just remix it hair versus mask here. I think that'll be great. And I think that Santos and Ray both will be down for it, but we'll have to wait for that because I think that's where it's ultimately going to culminate to at WrestleMania with Ray and Santos. That's happening there. Another storyline to keep in note, uh, LA Knight, he was trying to find AJ Styles after AJ cost LA Knight the win at Elimination Chamber uh, last week. So you see LA was trying to find AJ on SmackDown. Nick Otis had to stop him, tell him that, nope, I gave AJ the night off. So that's another story that I think they're probably going to build into Mania, which I don't think it should be. I think that should be a SmackDown matchup, but we'll have to wait and see with that. Uh, Logan Paul, he'll be returning to SmackDown next week, so I can expect the Randy Orton, Logan Paul, and probably Kevin, Kevin Owens uh, situation there. Uh, we had Rhea Ripley... And Becky Lynch, they're building towards their match at WrestleMania for the Women's World Heavyweight Championship. So you got that on deck. And for NXT, we had the Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov stare down to start off NXT. But you had Ilya in the ring with Carmelo outside the ring on the stage, surrounded by his security. Carmelo would tell Ilya, I'm not getting in the ring with you unless we have contract that states that you're putting the NXT title on the line, I'm going to give you till the end of the night to make that happen. So, at the end of NXT, you get the contract signing, you get Ilya, you get Carmelo, and you get the dawn of NXT. Tony D'Angelo, he would come down to the ring, he would get in the ring, uh, he would interject on this, and he talks about how he wants to truly be the true dawn of NXT, because he wants to go and go after that NXT championship that Ilya Dragunov has. So, Carmelo, he tells Tony, yo, get out of here before something bad happens to you. Tony tells Carmelo, point blank, you don't have to be the champion, and you don't have to be him to be the guy running NXT. And you see Tony snap his fingers. Carmelo's security would drop off the apron and start walking to the back so that tell you how much juice and pull that Tony D'Angelo has Tony would propose a challenge he would say why don't him and Melo have a match next week at NXT Roadblock and a winner of that match will face off against Ilya Dragunov at Stand and Deliver Ilya Dragunov would be okay with this and he would tell Tony to whip that Melo next week so you get Tony, he's already signed the contract. Uh, Carmelo Hayes, he isn't happy with this, but he does tell Tony Point Blake that he's not worried because Tony isn't going to beat him. He's not going to come nowhere close to that NXT championship. Uh, one thing will lead to another. Uh, Tony would try to get up in the face of Melo, try to throw a punch, but he would cock back and he would accidentally hit Ilya in the face. Uh, Melo would take this opportunity to back suplex. Tony D'Angelo threw a table, signed the contract, then hold up the NXT Championship. So we have that match set up for next week. Melo going against Tony. Winner against Ilya at stand and deliver. I'm telling you this right now, point blank. 
if people want to see Tony D'Angelo going against Ilya Dragunov as stand and deliver, that is completely insane to me. And I like Tony D'Angelo. I do. But I would like to see him move up a little bit more because he was just in a tag team with stacks. And now he's about to be the guy to face Ilya Dragunov as stand and deliver. That is a no-go for me. I'm just going to be point-blank honest. No. I want to see Melo go against Ilya, go against Trick at Stand and Deliver. For the last eight months, it has literally been those three guys for that NXT Championship. Point-blank. And we were supposed to technically get a triple threat match at, I want to say, Halloween Havoc. But we didn't get that. And I want that to happen. I understand they're probably going to play the trope card of Trick Williams. He's going to interfere, cost Melo the match next week, giving Tony the win over uh, Melo and give Tony the win to face Ilya at standing limb for the NXT Championship, which would leave Trick and Melo open up for a one-on-one match at standing deliver. No. I need Trick to face Melo, to face Ilya in a triple threat at standing deliver. And I need trick to win at stand and deliver it would make sense because trick he is the hottest guy out there with crowd participation and also just fastest like recovery wise of a guy that nobody expected him to be a wrestler wrestler but he's actually done his damnedest and he's made fan uh connection with him and he's actually able to stand good in the ring solid for him to win a NXT championship, it needs to happen at Stand and Deliver, the biggest stage for NXT. He beats uh, Carmelo, or he beats Ilya one way or another. Then this is kind of an exit way for Ilya to kind of, uh, whether he stays at NXT or not, or leaves to go to the main roster, that's one way. And then we continue with uh, Trick and Melo, because you know you're going to have one more match between those two. And then Melo loses, and he drifts off to the main event. And then, in that time where all that's happening, Tony D'Angelo, he racks up wins. He gets to cultivate the Don character as being a more ruthless type of character because that's the Don. He needs to be a ruthless guy to be the NXT champion. And I think having the Don being ruthless and taking the title off a trick, who at the time being NXT champion and he will still carry fan favor, the people will hate the Don for taking the NXT title off a trick, and guess what? You already have your next big bad guy on your hands with Tony D'Angelo right there. So that's my play for that. They'll do whatever they want, but again, I would like to see Melo win and turn that into a triple threat match as stand and deliver, me personally. Uh, Anything else on NXT? Oh, yes. Uh, Good Brothers, they defeated Idris, Inafe, and Malik Blade. Uh, Bear Corbin and Braun Breaker, they have to defend their NXT tag team titles next week on Roblox against Chase U. And whatever team wins that, they're more than likely going to be facing Gallows and Anderson as stand and deliver for the NXT tag titles. Also next week on uh, Roblox, you have the Kabuki Warriors uh, defending their WWE Women's Tag Team Championships against Lyra Valkyria and Tatum Paxley. Uh, they're still continuing the Tatum, Lyra, uh, Tatum kind of being obsessed with Lyra, just wanted to be by her side, all that storyline, continuing on with that. So we have that, and also we have a new NXT Heritage Cup winner, 
Charlie Dempsey. He defeated Noam Dar 2-1 to become your new NXT Heritage Cup champion. So that happened on NXT as well. We're going to have to wait and see how Noam Dar is going to take that. Because last time he lost the Heritage Cup, he became comatose. He, my man didn't want to move. He was kind of like a statue. So it's going to be real interesting to see what they do with Metaphor uh, next week. And more especially Noam Dar. Since he is no longer the Heritage Cup uh, champion. Uh, anything else that happened? I believe that's about it. So, moving off of WWE and going to AEW. Since this is AEW's uh, week, uh, they have Revolution happening Sunday. This is the last go-home Dynamite uh, for Revolution. This is the last time we will see Sting as a full-time competitor ever. This is the last time for that on Dynamite. So Dynamite, we would uh, start off with Hangman Page. He comes down with a crutch. He gets in the ring. He talks somber. And long story less long, he talks about how that match at Revolution might not be a triple threat. It might just be a one-on-one matchup, but not with him involved. It'll be Swerve and Samoa Joe. So then you get Swerve coming down to the ring. It'll be Swerve, Nana and Heyman all in the ring. And you think that something's about to happen, but nope. Swerve, he would kind of give a little bit of props to Hangman because he says that Hangman has kind of been the toughest challenge of Swerve's time in AEW so far and how he's done some despicable things to Hangman, but he's always brought the fight to him. Uh, Swerve would then uh, talk about how he plans on fulfilling his destiny to become the AEW World Champion at Revolution, then you see the world champion, Samoa Joe. He comes out on the stage. Joe isn't trying to have all that. He says, listen here, I am the top dog here. You guys about to have your kumbaya moment in the middle of that ring. Uh-uh. We're not doing that here. Uh, Joe will continue to spat on some more stuff by saying how he's the man. I'm the world champion. All this stuff. Swerve tells Joe you can't block Destiny. And Destiny will be here whether he likes it or not because he has done a lot of heinous things to get to where he's at. And he would uh, recount some of them. He'll talk about breaking into Nick Wayne's uh, wrestling school and beating up Nick Wayne. He talks about breaking into uh, Hangman's home and terrorizing Hangman to get to where he's at right now. And he mentions out at Revolution, he's going to fulfill his destiny and become the AEW World Champion because it's his house. It's Swerve's house. So you get that nice participation from the crowd doing the uh, chanting bag of whose house, Swerve's house. A little bit back and forth here and there. And then you see Heyman hit Swerve in the back with his crutch. So Heyman, he was faking an injury. He would just shout out to Swerve, you will never become AEW World Champion. I'm going to make sure you never become World Champion. And then you see Heyman look at Joe and tells him that I'm taking that title off of you. So, it was a swerve. All puns intended on this. Heyman swerved, uh, swerved Strickland. And at Revolution, we're still getting the triple threat match between the two for the AEW World Championship. Um, Another thing that happened on Dynamite. I'll say the big thing was uh, the Jacksons, or the EVPs, if you will. Matthew Jackson and Nicholas Jackson. They were searching for Sting 
the whole entire night. And uh, they were walking around backstage with white bats trying to find Sting. They go into Sting's dressing room. Sting isn't there, but they have upside down black bats uh, hanging off the wall. And the Jacksons, they're just confused by this. Um, later in the closing segment of Dynamite, they come down to the ring with their bats. You see fans in the front row uh, have Sting mask on. You see the Jacksons look under the Sting mask of some of the fans. And you see one fan push, uh, I want to say it's Nick, underneath the mask is Darby Allen. So you see Darby fighting uh, the Jacksons off. He fights with them in the middle of the ring, and then Ric Flair, he comes down. Ric Flair, last time we saw him, he was in uh, a room with the Jacksons. We don't know what was said, so we think that, okay, Flair has sided with the Jacksons. And it looks that way. When Flair gets in the ring, you see Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson both holding Darby as Sting has a bat. Not Sting, God, Ric Flair has a bat. And... Ric Flair, it looks like he's about to hit Darby, but he drops it. He'll poke Nick in the eye, chop Matt. So he's still sticking with Darby and Sting. Then you see the Jacksons uh, beat up on Ric Flair as much as they can because you got to remember Flair is old and he's fragile. Uh, Nick, he gives the safest low blow shot that you've ever seen in your life to Flair. And again, they just start bad-mouthing Flair. Uh, they hit Sting's music. You see the Jacksons. They leave the rain. They go up the ramp, and they're waiting for Sting to come out. But Sting, he would uh, come down from the rafters. They were literally uh, skyline him down from the rafters, and he would be at the ring. He'll help Darby up. You see the Jacksons run down to try to get at Sting. Sting would be the Jacksons up with his bat and start uh, beating up the Jacksons. Darby's help as well. Uh, Dynamite would end with the Jacksons leaving the ring, going up the ramp. Sting and Darby would man the fort for Dynamite, and that's how Dynamite would close. Uh, anything else specifically happened on Dynamite? I think Dynamite was cool, but those were like the only two big things that happened on Dynamite, to be completely honest with you. Uh, you had the six-man tag. Of FTR and Eddie Kingston going against the Blackpool Comic Club, which represented by Claudio, Brian, and John Moxley. The Blackpool Comic Club would win uh, with Brian Danielson putting Eddie Kingston out. So, I mean, you have that there because uh, this gives Blackpool Comic Club some momentum as they are going into their own respective matches at Revolution, Orange Cassidy, he defended the International Championship against Nick Wayne. He retained the International Championship uh, thanks to Daniel Garcia and Matt Menard interfering. Also, the debut of an AEW contracted uh, Will Ospreay. He made his AEW uh, full roster debut in the middle of the ring with Tony Giovanni. You didn't see him come out looking stuffy. He looked happy. He looked excited to be a part of the AEW roster. Uh, and then you see the Don Callis family come out. And mind you, Will Ospreay, he's still a part of the Don Callis family, still part of the faction. Will Hobbs, Kanosuke Takeshita, Don Callis, they all come down. Uh, Kanosuke and Will are having a match at Revolution. Don Callis, he would kind of like amp it up. 
He talked about how this is just nothing but friendly competition uh, between both of the men and how they're going to have a match. And it doesn't matter who ends up winning. The Don Fett Callis family will end up winning at Revolution because this will be one of the matches of the night. Matter of fact, one of the matches of the year. And you see uh, Will dap it up with Will Hobbs. You see Will Ospreay and Don Callis kind of like dap it up, but also uh, bow to one another. And you see Osprey, he wants to extend his hand out to Takeshita. Takeshita, he will look at Will Osprey's hand and he wouldn't shake it or nothing. But then, ultimately, he would. They'll shake hands. Will Osprey would try to walk away from Takeshita. Takeshita would pull back on Will. Will would kind of smile and smirk at it. And then you see Takeshita, he would try to walk away. And then Will, he would pull on Takeshita. And you say, I can do the same thing too. And you just see those two just kind of like holding hands and still just like looking at one another. And then you just have Don say, all right, all right, you guys can let go, let go. And they do let go. So you got to tell there's some tension right there because both of those guys are great guys. They want to be the top of the mountain for AEW. Will Ospreay, he's going to have to put on a hell of a show. This is his first time being a AEW licensed, contracted wrestler under their uh, banner. This is his first showing as an AEW wrestler, and now he's going against Takeshita, a guy who people want to see be put in those main spots, in those catapult spots for him to be a TNT or an international champion and a potential AEW world champion down the line. They want Takeshita to be in these spots, so Takeshita he has a nice spot for him to be at at Revolution against Will Ospreay. So. A lot of things are up in the air with who might win, who might not. You'll get my predictions to that match and, more importantly, predictions to the AEW uh, Revolution show in a minute. But this match right here, it has one of the biggest like question marks, I think, throughout Revolution, if I'm going to be completely honest. It really does to me. But uh, that's what happened on Dynamite. Importantly, I think... I think that's about it. I want to move over into the revolution uh, predictions. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of the card and who I think is going to win uh, each match. Now, I want to read you guys something here. I did not know this, but there is an all-star scramble match. In the match, we have Chris Jericho, Warlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, Magnus, and this is a luchador named Magnus, might add, and Dante Martin. The winner of the scramble match will receive a future AEW World Championship match down the line. Now, this match I knew was taking over for the Meet Madness match that was supposed to happen. Uh, Originally, you had Warlow, Lance Archer, Powerhouse Hobbs in it, Tony Khan at a press uh, media call. We'll talk about how he has to postpone that match because he wanted different, uh, he wanted more wrestlers in it. And some of the wrestlers that he wanted in it are kind of not available at the time. He did mention Miro and Keith Lee. Keith Lee is still kind of like battling from his surgeries that he got. Uh, Miro, he uh, is under evaluation as well with medical. So that's the reason why he hasn't been around on television as much. So again, he has substitute the Meat Madness match for the All-Star Scramble here. But now knowing that the winner of this match will get a future AEW World Championship match, 
I'm just going to point out, say it right now. I think we're going with Warlow. I think that's exactly who we're going with. I think Warlow is going to uh, win this matchup right here because Warlow cut one hell of a promo. Uh, I want to say it was last week on Dynamite talking about how he deserves to be at the top, how he should have already been a world champion a couple of years ago, all that stuff. I think Warlow's on that path. And also, you got to remember, he's a part of the Undisputed Kingdom. Those guys in that group, they all have their specific mission to achieve. The Kingdom, they want to win tag gold. They are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Roger Strong, he wants to win the International Championship. He has a match against Orange Cassidy for that. Warlow, his mission is to become the AEW World Champion. So when Adam Cole becomes healthy, he can surrender that belt to Adam Cole. That's the mission for Warlow, but we'll have to wait and see if that does happen, if he does surrender it, when he does win it. So I see Warlow winning this matchup and getting a world championship picture down the line thanks to this. So I'm going with Warlow off this, to be completely honest, because that would just be another step forward in the plan for the Undisputed Kingdom. Uh, FTR going against uh, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. I'm going with FTR here. And I'm only going to win FTR here because of this reason right here that I'm about to mention to you. Again, there's a couple things that uh, AEW's lays down that you just got to pick up on. If you remember a couple weeks ago, John Moxley had a one-on-one matchup against someone. And he talked about how people had to step up or they'll be stepped on and like step aside. And it doesn't matter if you're a friend or foe, you have to get on John Moxley's level. And they never, ever followed up with that. And I always wonder why they never followed up with that. If you remember, anytime uh, Brian Danielson gets beat up, who's there to save him? Claudio Castagnoli. Not John Moxley. It's Claudio. Anytime John Moxley gets beat up, it's Claudio Castagnoli. And not Brian Danielson. That's kind of an interesting thing, don't you think? I think we're getting in the mode for someone to leave Blackpool Comic Club personally. And we'll, uh, and with uh, Wheeler Yuta having been out for right now, and when he does come back, I think they're just going to further push that envelope. So I think John Moxley, him being so over as he is, I think John Moxley may be the guy that might get shoved out of Blackpool Comic Club, if I'm going to be honest with you. So with... FTR beating Blackpool Comic Club and more than likely Claudio, he may be the guy to eat uh, the pin. You can get a look that Moxley's going to give to Claudio, a look of disappointment, a look of anger, a look of disgust, something like that. And this could lead to a Moxley and Claudio situation where Brian would have to break it up and ultimately Brian would side with Claudio. And again, we're one more step close to Moxley kind of being kicked out of Blackpool Comic Club. At least that's my way of how I envision it. But again, FTR, I feel the winning over John Moxley and Claudia. Uh, TNT title, Christian Cage going against Daniel Garcia. I'm going to be going out on a limb here. I want Daniel Garcia to win. I want Daniel Garcia to be TNT champion because they keep on talking about, at least in the fans' eyes when I see it on social media, how this is restoring the feelings of AEW. And when they talk about restoring the feelings, they mean about how this is feeling like AEW old, 2019, all that good stuff, good Jasmine tests with AEW. And for that to be the truth, AEW, its original mission statement was to push 
young talent to push talent that people have not heard of. Christian Cage, he is a legendary uh, wrestler in the wrestling business. People know exactly who he is. Daniel Garcia beating Christian Cage, especially with the run that Christian's on with being the father, being the patriarch of AEW. I think that will help Daniel Garcia out. And also with Adam Copeland being the guy to cost Christian Cage the TNT Championship after being uh, put on the shelf for a good couple weeks by Christian Cage and his little patriarchy here because of the concerto. I think it'll be icing on the cake because the Adam Copeland and Christian Cage feud doesn't need the TNT Championship at all. Was it good to have at World's End? Yeah, cool. But with a young guy like Daniel Garcia, who the fans like, who the fans love, who the fans are wanting to see him in more featured spots, I think him being a TNT champion will be the way to go. So I'm saying pull the trigger now, give Daniel Garcia the TNT uh, championship. That's just me personally. Uh, on to Will Ospreay, Kanosuke Takeshita. Again, we have two guys, both willing out to prove something here. Will Ospreay, he just came into AEW as a full contracted superstar. Kanosuke Takeshita, people want him in a full dominant spot. Uh, I'm just going to go out on the ledge here. I say we give it bag off to uh, Will Ospreay. He just came in. He needs to have a dominant win. I think Will Ospreay is going to give Kanosuke Takeshita a hell of a match, a hell of a time in that ring. But you do not give a caliber like a Will Ospreay a loss on his first night on the job. You don't do it. So give that to Will Ospreay the win. But after the match, you could put a nice good beat down from Kanosuke Takeshita to Will Ospreay. Have the Don Callis family look at Kanosuke Takeshita, ask him what's he doing. And this could lead to an all-out, just a turn on Will Ospreay. So you have Hobbs beating up on Ospreay, Takeshita beating up on Ospreay, Don Callis beating up on Ospreay. And you just leave Ospreay a weakened, battered man at Revolution, but he still won, and he'll be away from the Don Callis family. Something that people would like for Will Ospreay to do. So there you go. Uh, Eddie Kingston going against Brian Danielson for the Continental uh, Crown Championship. And if Brian Danielson loses, he has to shake Eddie Kingston's hand. I would love for Brian Danielson to win. And I do love Eddie Kingston. I love what he does. I love his uh, whole thing. I really do. But Brian Danielson, he needs to have a championship. I feel. He needs to at least hold one championship in his AEW career. It could literally be a one, like, not going to say one day because they don't tape literally the day after. It could be a one-week situation. He could drop it literally or a collision or dynamite, whatever you want to say. Uh, but Brian Danson, I feel he needs to at least hold one title in AEW before his full year as a full-time wrestler on the AEW roster comes up because that's coming up for Brian Danielson. So that's me, but that's just what I would like to happen. But what I think is going to happen, I think Eddie Craig Kingston is going to win the match. I think he's going to win. And then Brian Danielson, he's going to grit his teeth reluctantly and he's going to shake hands with Eddie Kingston. And it would be more pleasing to see Claudio Castagnoli kind of run down, like slap hands from Brian from like shaking hands with Eddie and you see John Moxley even coming down and start yelling at Brian, a deal's a deal. You made a deal. Shake Eddie's hand. Cause again, it plays into uh, Moxley Kingston's friendship 
and Moxley again with the Blackpool Combat Club stuff. And again, that can give them more reason to want to kick Moxley out of Blackpool Combat Club. So again, you could tie all of these things together. But uh, what I think is going to happen, I think Eddie Kingston is going to beat Brian Danielson. Uh, the AEW Women's Championship, Timeless Tony Storm going against Deanna Perrazzo. Easy, Tony Storm. Tony Storm uh, just got the championship. She's doing great character work. Deanna Perrazzo, she just came into AEW. They're not going to put the title on her that quickly. It's just not happening. I don't think I need to go more further into this. I think they're going to have a great women's championship matchup, but this one was real easy to really call out. Tony Storm, she's going to retain her women's championship. Uh, Orange Cassidy going against Roger Strong for the AEW International Championship. Roger Strong. I'm going to say it right now. Uh, Roger Strong, same thing like what I said with Warlow. It needs to have these guys win to further along what the Undisputed Kingdom is trying to do, especially with Adam Cole uh, being out. And also, by the way, I think Adam Cole, he is recovering real nicely. I think he's going to be on our screens sooner than we think, probably in the ring. Uh, I think he's going to be walking around with crutches, not being on that wheelchair as much. And what I mean by my crutches, I mean like literally just one crutch walking down with a boot on, his, with a boot on. And with that, I think Roddy uh, holding the international championship and Warlow winning the scramble and also having the kingdom being your ring of honor tag titles will just constantly put the undisputed kingdom in a better position. So Roddy beating Orange Cassidy, it has to happen. So that whole storyline can constantly continue with Undisputed Kingdom trying to take over uh, AEW. It has to. So Orange Cassidy has to lose to Roderick Strong. The Triple Threat, Samoa Joe, Hangman, Swerve for the AEW World Championship. is going to be Samoa Joe. I'm still going with what I've been planning all this time. Joe is going to put Swerve in the freaking Coquina Clutch. And unlike all the times where you see each guy has constantly been breaking up everybody's pinfall and submissions throughout the match here, there's going to come a moment where Hangman's going to see Swerve in the most vulnerable state of all time as he is gasping for air. And you can see Swerve even try to say, break it up. And Hangman, he's going to look at Swerve in that moment and just shout to him, you're going to lose you're not becoming world champion. I told you I'm going to make sure that you never become champion. And just flip off Swerve as Swerve passes out in the Coquina Clutch. And Samojo will be your AEW world champion because it accomplishes three things. Samojo is still a dominant champion. He just won the title at World's End. He needs to have a longer world championship reign. That's one. Two, it goes down the further psyche of Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. It also like, pulls off the double turn that AEW is really trying to do with Hangman and Swerve. Swerve is a guy that has done nasty things to Hangman, but the fans love him. He, they just do. While Hangman, at other point, you're going against a guy that is loved. You're being booed right now. It's going to happen for him. So this will fully clip off the double turn that AEW wants. So you do that, and you will accomplish it. And three, as I said, it goes down the rabbit hole of the, the psyche of Hangman. Hangman can say, I didn't lose. So now I can get my one-on-one -on -one opportunity against Samoa Joe. And Swerve, he would cost Hangman that opportunity against Samoa Joe for that World One Championship, AEW World uh, Championship matchup that Hangman will want. So, again, it will accomplish all those things. It will leave each guy 
still strong in their uh, beliefs and what they want to do after the match. So that's why I think it's going to happen. Samoa Joe is still going to be your AEW World Champion. Now, off to the main event, Tornado Tag Match for the AEW World Championship. This will be, well, Tag Team Championships, excuse me. This will be Sting's uh, retirement match. Sting and Darby as champions going against the Bucks, the EVPs, Matthew Jackson, and Nicholas Jackson. In my heart of hearts, I want Darby and Sting to retain the tag titles. I really do. Because it will give us something that we were robbed of. I would like to say what? In, woo, it's been a decade. A decade ago. It will give us something we were robbed of a decade ago. Of a streak going undefeated and unbroken. It will give us that thing that what we have been missing. Uh... Sting and Darby have never lost as a tag team in AEW. They never have lost. So with them going against the EVPs here in their last match, and if the EVPs win, they'll snap that and they'll be tag team champions. I don't think it does anything good for the EVPs at all. I think Sting doing that, it'll just be a good thing for Sting to do as he's on the way out. But this is bigger than just, okay, I'm going to do something for... No. This is... Hey, you're Sting. We're going to preserve you in AEW. We're going to preserve your memory. We're going to preserve your record. We're going to preserve something of yours in AEW and in the wrestling history book. Something that we were robbed of with The Undertaker losing his streak to uh, Brock Lesnar a decade ago. I think with Sting retaining and retiring as tag team titles, as tag team uh, champions with Darby, I don't think it's going to hurt AEW, and I don't think it's going to hurt the tags and titles at all. I think it's just going to show everyone what type of company AEW is and how much they really do value their legends there, especially someone like Stink, who's done so much in the wrestling business. Uh, so I say we give the match to Sting and Darby, and I think it also would give tag teams to go after the tag team titles because after this, we know they're going to have to relinquish the titles. We know this is going to have to happen. And people will say, okay, what do you do with that? You do what AEW did in the first place. You have them conduct a tag team tournaments. And in this place of doing this, you'll be allowing the EVPs to really pull their muscle. And they'll be saying, unlike the last time when we had a tag tournament and we were being so selfless, we have to be a little bit selfish here. We're going to get a buy. And then you see the EVP start really pulling their strings the way they've been pulling their strings for some time now. And again, if Surther submits them as a heel tag team, someone that you want to boo. So that's what I think should happen for AEW and those tag titles. Give Sting and Darby the win, have them retain, have them keep their tag team uh, record in check. And with that, you will be creating a tag team tournament and allow the EVPs to further do their uh, evil ways for people to boo them and such and such. But that's my prediction for AEW Revolutions. There you have it there. Um, I think that is all for the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. But before I get you guys out of here, I do have to mention this. I do have a, uh, a midweek breakdown that I do talk about. I talk about the Cam Newton incident that happened last week. 
Uh, that's available to you now and also tomorrow as every Sunday I do talk about things in the week that happen in the news in entertainment so you can look forward to that on tomorrow's episode of uh, my two cents podcast and also on Monday you will get a review for AEW's revolution uh, that will happen tomorrow night if you listen to this on a Saturday so expect that on Monday now, with all that being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Uh, be blessed. You'll hear from me soon. I love you guys. Bye.